Nicole Strickland. I have been fascinated with the unknown and paranormal realms since childhood. After a profound experience with my grandmother's spirit 20 years ago, I have been on a quest to observe, study, investigate, and communicate with the afterlife and beyond. It's been an ongoing journey of exploration and discovery, one that has taught me how mortality and the spirit world are forever bonded through the veils of time. Good evening, everyone, on this fabulous Thursday, May 26th. Where did May go? I don't know. But thank you again for joining us tonight on another episode of the Afterlife Chronicles right here on WLTKDB, where paranormal talk is good. Actually, I just forgot the phrase. Let me look it up because it's a new it's a new phrase that we have for the station. Paranormal talk is our business and business is good. I slipped on that, didn't I? So again, thank you for joining me. And uh, we have some great guests tonight, very dear friends of mine, uh, James Brandmuller, Danny Rangel, and Tom Varney. Uh, He's, I guess his devices aren't connected, but we'll figure that out in a second. Uh, so before I bring them in, just a few announcements. So I'm sure some of you have seen that there is a brand new station website, same URL, WLTKDB.com, designed by Todd Bates. Get on there, get lost in it. It's absolutely fabulous, uh, very technologically advanced. So take some time to look at that. Let's see, a few little, a few little uh, engagements here. July 2nd, again with that ocean theme, I will be doing a presentation uh, at the Escondido Public Library, which I've done before, and that's Oceans of Possibility. So I'll be talking about the Queen Mary, Star of India, and Berkeley Ferry Boat. The latter two are part of the Maritime Museum of San Diego. A couple of podcast appearances, just check out my website there under the events page. June 22nd is the second part of my Introduction to Paranormal Research and Investigation through Ghost Education 101 on Facebook. So that will be on June 22nd at 6 p.m. And then, of course, the OC Paracon. Now, that is October 1st and 2nd, so we're a ways behind, but it's going to be here before you know it. And uh, you can get info on that at paranormalperception.show or just on its Facebook page at OC Paracon. So I am very lucky. I'll be speaking, of course, on the Queen Mary uh, there at that conference and on a panel. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be in Anaheim at the, I believe, the Senesta Hotel, if I pronounced it right. So great, great stuff coming up. And then, wow, Feedspot. So 2021 Feedspot, I'm very honored, very proud, selected the Afterlife Chronicles as one of the top 25 shows on the Afterlife. And again, once again in 2022. So thank you, Feedspot, for that. That's amazing. And then a simple congrats to my mom, Norma Strickland, because today she got a Nursing Excellence Award. So I'm very, very, very proud of her. Awesome. Okay, you can follow WLTKDB on its socials just with that handle, WLTKDB, Afterlife Chronicles, at Afterlife Chronicles and beyond, or the Podbean page, afterlifechronicles.podbean.com. Okay, so now let's get into the meat of tonight's show. So you all know that the Afterlife Chronicles is an afterlife study, right, a paranormal theme. But tonight, we're delving a little bit more into history. And we're going to be talking about the Queen Mary, her history. If some paranormal aspects come up, that's great. But uh, we all know that the Queen Mary is Long Beach's shining gem. We're very happy to have her. And tomorrow, May 27th, is the 86th maiden voyage anniversary. So in light of that, I thought I'd do a show and have some very dear friends on tonight. So let's go ahead and bring them in, James Brandmuller and Danny Rangel. And let's see. Okay. I think Tom is backstage till tr still trying to log in. So, okay. Awesome. I see James and I see, well, I don't see Danny, but he's here. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's really an honor to have you. My goodness. I need some water. How are you guys doing? Doing good. great. Awesome. Good stuff. I mean, usually, I mean, it's been like two years since we've all been aboard. So we're, we're like, 
We're eagerly waiting for the ship to reopen, probably sometime in the fall. I don't have a date yet. If you guys know, I don't I don't know if we're supposed to tell or anything, but from what I've heard, the ship will be opening sometime in the fall. Can't wait to get back on and have some more awesome memories. And I see uh, Barry is uh, there as well. Hi, Barry. Yes. She's also part of the clan. She says, my favorite people. That's what she said. So I thought tonight that we could maybe uh, just kind of have a, a roundtable discussion uh, just about the Queen Mary. And then uh, maybe we can start out with, because a lot of people know my connection with the ship and they've heard me talk about it. So I want to give you guys a platform tonight to share how you became connected with the ship and, and what it means to you. So whoever wants to go first, Danny, James, it's up to you guys. Uh, take it away, James. Go ahead. I'm trying to figure out my camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Go ahead. Well, I uh, first visited the Queen Mary. I believe it was in like April or May of 1970 before she was moved to her current location. I uh, got to see a, the end end amount of the work that was going on in transforming the ship. Uh, to make her ready to go into Long Beach. And uh, as most of us have already heard from one source or another, and, and I think this is really true, you don't choose the Queen Mary, the Queen Mary chooses you. And I guess I was one of the lucky people to get chosen and have been on board, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, yeah. Stayed on board probably well over a hundred nights and uh, seen just about everything there is to see, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I met, I met, let's see, Danny, I think I met you about maybe about six or seven years, years ago on board. James, you and I have known each other. I don't know, maybe like same about five or six, five or six years. So it's about that. So uh, yeah. yeah, awesome stuff. Danny, share, yes. let's talk about your, were you done, James? I'm sorry. I didn't know if you were finished. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> he's done. I'm like cutting him off when he's not done yet. He's how rude. Okay, Danny, <laughs> your turn. Let's share how you got connected because you work on board, which is awesome. Yeah, and so, a love um, tour guide. So I've been on his tours. Amazing you. job. Uh, so first and foremost, I was born and raised in the city of Long Beach. The Queen Mary was always in my backyard. And so... Uh, I remember going as a kid and getting, well, my mom pretended to get lost in the engine room to try to scare us, I guess you would say. <laughs> she did a good job because I was always terrified. Um, but it wasn't until 2012 when I started working on the ship and just like it was always in my backyard. It was one of those places that I was like, oh, yeah, it's the Queen Mary. Everybody knows what that is. But I was fascinated to find out that not everybody knows. Um, Isn't that fascinating? You think that everyone would, but it's it's shocking that they don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just one of those things. Uh, it's one of those things where I was like, the more I learned about the ship, the more I was just absolutely just uh, enthralled. And getting to do the tours that I have, I did basically every tour that we have on board from the history tours to the ghost tours to the helping uh, curate two separate tours, including the engine room and boiler room tours, as well as one we did specially for, um, what's it called? Uh, Dark Harbor. When we were still oh, running right, that, right. I was able to, I was, you know able to be a part of that as well so just being a part of all that kind of all those kind of things it's just it was it was a great time on board and i honestly can't wait to get back um, I, I cannot i mean honestly <laughs> i'm so cheesy by saying this but the day that she opens i swear i'll take a day off work and i'll just go up there and then of course i'm gonna cry because i'm gonna be all emotional and all of it i just i can't wait and uh tours are awesome do you have a favorite one that you like to conduct the tours themselves i mean yeah honestly it, it just it all depends on your audience as long as they are um interested in what you have to say it makes for a fascinating tour uh it can be a challenge when people are just there just to walk around but when people right. actually care about what you're talking about and what you're showing them you get excited and you want to show them more and you want to go further on and you want to, you know, 
become more and more like out, you know, outgoing or whatnot. And you just want to be able to give them a show. Absolutely. And I've, I've actually been on your tours and, and they're phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. And they're, you know, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know about the Queen Mary, maybe has heard about the ship, but doesn't really know the history. So the Queen Mary was actually the design concept for it began in 1926. And then building started, of course, halted with the depression. And then a very, very, very quick, quick uh, skeletal history here. And then uh, the launch uh, was obviously constructed and her launch was on September 26, 1934. HM Queen Mary, Her Majesty Queen Mary christened her. It was a whole amazing event. And then of course the maiden voyage uh, for her ocean liner services was uh, on May 27, 1936. So she was designed as an ocean liner on the North Atlantic run. So her sailing from Southampton via Sherberg to New York City and back. So that's what she did. And she carried numerous people from all different walks of life. And then of course was requisitioned of, as a troop ship uh, during World War II. Uh, the entire duration also carried Italian and German prisoners of war. Uh, was a hospital ship at one point uh, carrying uh, uh, injured uh, soldiers to the UK. And of course, after the dissolution of World War II, uh, carried war brides, I think all in all, something around 22,000, then resumed her ocean liner duties, pre-war ocean liner duties, post-war, uh, same sailing route. And then uh, in on uh, December 10th, 1967, Long Beach won out that $3.45 million bid to have her in Long Beach. And since then, she's been in Long Beach, has become a hotel, museum, there's shops on board, uh, num obviously numerous tours. You can have all kinds of different events on board from weddings to, to high school anniversaries, you name it. So we are very, very, very lucky to have such a historically significant vessel in, uh, in uh, Long Beach. And so real quick, just uh, and then you guys can fill in, too, in case I'm forgetting some things, just a little a tidbit on her maiden voyage history. So people uh, came I, apparently to Southampton the night before, and uh, apparently Her Majesty Queen Mary came the day before to inspect the vessel. The sailing time on May 27th was at 4.30 p.m. The Royal Marines were playing all kinds of amazing music. One, th I think it was almost 1,200 people aboard. I want to say 1,186 people. Uh, there were film crews on board. They filmed a, a, a film, or they, they yeah, filmed a documentary. I think it was called Wonder Ship, which documented the entire maiden voyage for people to see. And then, uh, and it bringing kind of the Titanic into this, uh, two things. So two days after the the, the maiden voyage, I, apparently there were there was a fog situation. So uh, Britain Commodore Britain had to slow down the liner so she couldn't beat the Normandy for the Blue Ribbon Prize, but she ended up beating the Normandy or, or winning the prize, I believe, in uh, 36 and 38. And then, of course sailed by the exact spot of the Titanic sinking and uh, laid out a ceremonial wreath uh, in honor in honor of the victims on the Titanic. And then I think the total time, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, four days on the maiden voyage, four days, five hours, and I think in 46 minutes. And then interestingly, when the ship was moored, in, uh, because obviously she left Southampton and came to New York City, and docked at Pier 90, people in New York could go on board and, and tour the ship. And I think all in all, it was something around 10,000 people, if I'm wrong, I, if I'm right. So just some interesting maiden voyage facts um, about uh, the Queen Mary. So, and you all know, people know my connection and, and how I got started with the Queen Mary. So I'm going to skip. Maybe they've heard of the ship. People about the Queen Mary, let's say that don't have any knowledge, but yet want to visit her. What would you recommend them do? How would they spend their day? Things like that. So whoever wants to go first. Well, I mean, Danny, coming from a tour guide. Tom, are you there? <laughs> I think I am. Oh, there he is. Hey. <laughs> oh, made it. Gotta love the internet, folks. My gosh, internet. Let me tell you. So, anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just saying, like, speaking of coming from a tour guide's perspective, like, it's one of those things where 
um, I would just definitely tell them to take a history tour. Is this the one thing you want to uh, you want to definitely hear and take as many pictures as you can? To be honest, that is a good point. I mean, everywhere you go, there's something amazing to do. So I'm one of these that I recommend just walk around and, and get to know you know, the ship and, and look around. There's all kinds of art deco pieces. I mean, there's shops on board, there's restaurants, you can spend the night, you can like take tours. You There's all these things to do. So every part, every inch of the Queen Mary has some, some element of magic, at least in my opinion. James, what about you? What would you tell people who've, who've never- uh, I would agree pretty much with all of that. I, I think spending the night on board has some really special opportunities because, um, you can walk late at night on the promenade deck or around the decks, uh, up on the uh, sun deck, um, various parts of the ship. And likewise, early in the morning, it's very special because you're kind of alone mm -hmm. with, uh, the, you know, it, it, for me, it just allows all the history to soak in. It does. And I'm so not a morning person. So I usually miss those early morning days. I need to take advantage of them more, but it's so, so true. So uh, Tom finally joined. Nice to see you, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It really is an honor to have all three of you on. So for this, for this very special uh, episode in honor of that, can you believe it's the 86th maiden voyage anniversary? Weren't we on board about five years ago or six years ago, celebrating the 80th? Years. I mean, where, where does time go? It's crazy. Oh my gosh. So, so Tom, before we have to take a break in about three minutes, but uh, we'll do that. But before uh, you came in, uh, I had pretty much everyone go around and just uh, kind of talk about how they became connected with the Queen Mary and, and what the ship means to them. So it's all yours. It's yours. Okay. Um <laughs> My infatuation started back as a, as a kid. I was one of those nerdy little boys that would read the newspaper with, with this breakfast cereal. And um, now I'm one of those nerdy, nerdy old man, uh, not dirty old man, but nerdy old man that does the same. And <laughs> reading about it was in all the papers. And then shortly thereafter, there was a Poseidon adventure and that sealed the deal. Yeah, and yep. in high school, I made a, one of the Rebel model kits. And of course, I named it Poseidon. And it spent most of its time on the bookshelf upside down, then right side up. So I've always had this infatuation. So eventually, when I moved to California, I, I had uh, visited in, I think, 1985. And uh, that just uh, another seal. And but I never really got to visit the ship more. Um, you know, oddly enough, I didn't get to see the ship as much as I wanted to until I moved all the way to Alaska. And That's the, isn't that interesting? My goodness, it took you going to Alaska to say, "Hey, you know what? I need to visit the ship more." Isn't that something? <laughs> it's so crazy how life is. I'm telling you. And it was just an off-the-cuff remark from an old roommate that uh, gave me the suggestion for building the Queen Mary model. And then that started a 20-year odyssey. It led my way to Facebook and to all of you folks. So I didn't finally get to meet you all in person. 80th. Six years ago, that's when the magic happened. So hold that thought. We're going to take our first break. We have to pay the station bills. That is just how it is, okay? So stay tuned. You are tuning into the Afterlife Chronicles tonight for a very special Queen Mary edition. Stay tuned. We will be right back. A certified spiritual life coach, animal communicator, past life regression, and a psychic medium. This is Charlie Lynn. Charlie Lynn and Chat with Charlie work with you to bring communication and understanding from spirit to those looking to gain insight. Charlie Lynn's spiritual journey has brought her to you, so take advantage and contact Charlie Lynn today. 
book a reading, indulge in some Reiki work, or take the next step in your life with some spiritual life coaching. No matter, Charlie Lynn is here to help you. Search Chat with Charlie on Facebook. That's Chat with Charlie on Facebook. Okay, guys, my internet got really laggy there for a second. I hope you can all hear me. That usually never happens, so I don't know what the deal is tonight. I missed part of the ad, but I know what it is. So hopefully you guys can hear me now. I think everything is okay. So you are tuning back into uh, uh, the Afterlife Chronicles right here on the WLTKDB Network. Joining me tonight, of course, is James Bramuller, Tom Varney, and Danny Rangel, very dear friends of mine, and uh, Queen Mary aficionados. They all know a lot about the ship's history and uh, everything about her pretty much. So I'm very honored to have them. So let's continue. Tom, you were talking before break about your uh, your model building. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and exactly what you do just so people know? Because my God, the talent you've built, what now two or three different models, Queen, I think Queen Elizabeth and I'm Queen Mary as well, I believe. Yeah, I started with Queen Mary, as I mentioned earlier, just an off the cuff, um, remark was you should make a model of her tom a really big one and you know how it is when you get an idea stuck in your head and i just i'd lost sleep for two weeks just mentally trying to figure out what how i could do it i mean this this was all done before the internet was really up and running so it was just me in alaska with my local hobby shop buying every piece of balsa wood i could find and um then it, you know, it turned out to be a 20-year project because I was not in a hurry, and I didn't want to mess it up. Right. So then um, it just got got crazy with uh, electric lighting inside and out. And I think the Poseidon model was probably my biggest influence, having that model all lit up. But I, I didn't put mine in the water and sink it. So there's that. <laughs> There's that, right? And it yeah. brings me to this uh, this article you wrote. Oh, too, I forgot about the, this. Yeah, the Steamship Historical Society of America. And so Tom wrote an amazing article all about uh, model ship shipbuilding. It pretty much spans the, this entire edition, so it's fantastic. And then James, I think, don't you have? Didn't you donate artifacts too to go on board? What was that? Didn't you donate artifacts as well to go on board? I thought you mentioned. When we were talking, I have donated a fair number of things, um, and and I guess when my time comes to move away, I will have donated a great deal more. But uh, yeah, I'm largely a collector of uniforms, Cunard, ephemera, lots of different things along that line, uh, and uh, it really has kind of come to come to fruition over the last few years last two not being counted, but um, when the um, Cunard story exhibit came into being, it just happened that some of the things I had donated fit into that exhibit really well with some stuff that's on loan from uh, uh, Captain John Treasure Jones's uniforms are there that's on right. loan from, right. from their family and then Commodore Mars uniforms are there and uh, I've managed to donate a bunch of hats that are in that as well as some shoulder marks and uh, other goodies. And once we get back into business, uh, you didn't get to see it, Nicole, but uh, when I, didn't, yeah. I was down in Southern California a uh, couple months ago, I brought the crowning thing that I have acquired recently, which is a, uh, um, Cunard line sword belt buckle. And so that will go in the exhibit once we get get her back open and get her operating. And so uh, I kind of keep my eye out and I'm sure if we have a party again, I'll have a whole bunch of goodies in the suite for people to look at too. <laughs> 
That's right, folks. I mean, if we have a party, we will have a party. So let me tell you. Yeah. So Clan Mary comprised. We're all a part of it. I, Danny, I believe. Are, Danny, are you a part of the clan? I think you are a Clan Mary group. You're there all the time. So you kind of are. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much pretty are much. there. So, yeah. but so it's a group of you know very close uh, we i call it my queen mary family i know that's hokey but a group of people who all share a love for the queen mary and that's the thing with the queen mary so you know i'm a paranormal investigator so people may think oh nicole's fascinated about the queen mary only because of the paranormal not true that is just one little component of her i am drawn to the queen mary for so many other reasons history just that soul connection, just so many different reasons why I'm drawn. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, I just totally forgot where I was going on this, but Clan uh, Mary. So we were, uh, I mean, we get together, we have these lavish parties. I mean, I think it was what, three, I think it was the 50th anniversary ship coming into Long Beach when we had, I think, two or three suites on M deck all connected and, Joe brought his artifacts in and we, we had all this food and it was amazing. So we know how to party. So it's not if we will have another party, it's when. And we are trying to, in November, right, James, for and Joe's birthday. So that's what we're shooting for, I hope. I'm 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 hoping the ship I'm hoping the ship opens uh in the fall. That's what I've heard. But that's what I was getting to. You know, I have to admit, I my back the other day so i'm gonna just be very blunt i'm on muscle relaxants so if it's oh. from jaggedy you'll know why <laughs> anyways gotta roll you gotta roll with the waves no pun intended yeah anyways absolutely. so so that's the one thing about the queen mary since her inception there's this ability that the ship has and i know i'm humanizing the ship i feel like it's a very sentient vessel but it there's this ability to draw people and connect people from all different walks of life that are meant to be connected. And so I know Tom, you and I were, I think Barry, it was Barry, you and I on board one night and we were talking about that. And you have this phrase where, and James, you mentioned it earlier, you know, we don't necessarily choose the, the queen Mary, the, cho the queen Mary chooses us. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, let's, I just feel yeah, that the ship sure is a very, Oh, what's that? I first heard that from June Allen. Was it? Oh, yeah. was it June? Oh my gosh! The first time I heard it was the Queen Mary chooses you, mm -hmm. and that, okay. chooses, you'll want to come back time and time again, and have no idea why. That's okay. So she—that's right. You know what? Now that I now that I think about it, I do remember her saying that, and it's so true. And that's. I know I, sh I didn't share at the, or I said I wouldn't share at the beginning, you know, about how I got involved because I don't want to take up time. I want to leave time for you guys. But it was very similar to that in the sense that I saw it for the first time in the year two, 2000 from the back seat of my, uh, uh, my friend's mom's car. And so I remember looking at the ship and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be back here someday. That day came in 2005. I kid you not. I got on the elevator, went up the gangway, stepped foot, I believe, on a deck, which is one of the hotel decks. That's where the hotel lobby check-in is. And it was this instant connection that I can't explain in words. I've tried to do it in my book, but I don't even know if I adequately can explain it because it's, it's something so just almost mystical, if you will. So I don't know. I know how if that's kind of how you guys feel. If when the first time you actually went on board, did you have that sense of like immediate connection? Well, Nicole, it's like you talk about you don't necessarily want to humanize the ship, but I think it was J, uh, J. Treasure Jones who actually said the Queen Mary is the closest thing to a living being that you can get. Um. And it's true because you can feel her energy. You feel the spirit of the ship itself. You feel all the activity that took place, whether it was positive or negative or what was going on in the Queen Mary's history. And you feel that the moment you step on board. And for anybody, who, you know, I guess for anybody who doesn't feel that, they just don't have compassion. I don't know. But it's like um, you feel it every yeah, single yeah. time. You know, if you don't feel it, you're just you're not you're not living. 
Absolutely. That's a good point. It's all, And I can be on board and I can almost tell just by listening to people and looking at people, I can say, okay, they get it. They don't get it. Maybe they mm-hmm. will, but you can just tell, you can tell the people it's, I mean, I, I, you know, like you, Tom, I think you used the word infatuation. I think that that's a good word to describe it. I mean, I'm so uh, almost protective of the ship as well. I was actually on board one day and uh, this was years ago and I was, uh, I believe I was on sun deck and someone from the sports deck flicked off a cigarette. Now, of course, I don't work for the ship, right? I just have my books sold aboard, so I'm a vendor. Um, and of course, we're all historians, but uh, someone flicked off a cigarette and I literally just looked up and said, please don't do that. I think they thought I was where I worked there. I don't know, but they were like, oh, okay, I'm so sorry. I think they did just probably sounded like an authority when I said <laughs> it, I don't know. But um, so, uh, yeah, so trying to get to all these angles, it's fun doing round tables because you get to hear different, different uh, people's perspectives. So I, let's see what else. So if you could maybe talk about, because the ship is so historically rich, it's one of the, I mean, the historical tapestry is amazing with the Queen Mary, very, very, very deep, very in depth. So maybe we can go around and share maybe two or three historical points that you think people should know if they're coming to the Queen Mary specifically about its history, what would you tell them? So whoever, whoever wants to chime in first. Well, I'll start out because there's something, I don't know if the right people are watching this, but something that I've been reading that's incorrect in a lot of posts that have been online of late. Uh, But um, the way that the city of Long Beach actually acquired the Queen Mary was a rather circuitous story in and of itself. Um, The business council and the mayor and uh, a few other people had just happened to see the fact that the Queen Mary was being removed from service and was going to be auctioned off. And Mm -hmm. obviously there wasn't sufficient time for the city to get really legally, I guess, or technically involved in this. And so this group of people flew to London and put up their own money and had the winning bid to, to, to get the ship and to move it to Long Beach. And that began the, the entire story. Um, some of the other things, it, it's been a very interesting, what is it, 50 years, I guess, this year since yeah. Yeah. the end of yeah. last year since the ship opened. And uh, there have been everything from having uh, guards in high bear skin hats uh, around the place and bands and flags and everything else going on through the years. And hopefully, you know, some of the best can come back um, at some point. And, uh, you know, I really, I think it's well worthwhile for people to come and visit and uh, get the feel for things uh, on board Uh, You know, as with everybody, I can say I'm 80% happy with things and 20% if I were Bill Gates or somebody and had a billion dollars, there'd be a few things I'd probably do a little bit differently. Just a few. Yeah, just a few. So I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, just I mean, and I'll go next. I think historically, too, uh, one of three, I guess, three for me would be, uh, like I said earlier, the ability to, to connect people from all walks of life, but also during World War II, when the ship was a troop ship, along with her sister liner, the Queen Elizabeth, uh, they were requisitioned for for size and speed during World War II. And so it was Winston Churchill, Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who I believe planned the D-Day invasion or part of the plans on it on board the Queen Mary. I think he sailed, correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say like around 11 or 12 times total on the Queen Mary. But he did say, and I forget the exact quote verbatim, but uh, he basically said that the Queen Mary, along with her sister Liner, helped lessen the duration of World War II by about a year. So very instrumental in, in saving people and, and, and so on. Uh, and just, uh, 
Uh, let's see what else uh, for me. Um, I'm blanking on what what I the third one was. I'll probably think of it later. So uh, <laughs> go on here and say whoever want Danny, Tom, whoever whoever wants to chime in next. If you had to pick like two or three major historical points that you would want people to know out of all the ship's history. Whoever well, wants for to go. Me, oh, go ahead, Tom. One of the things that I think you guys were talking about just as I logged in late, um, I ran into, especially in Alaska, I ran into so many people that have no idea what the Queen Mary is, who she right. is, what she's right. And I have gotten more mileage out of those um, historical videos that feature June and Ralph. That's uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Now, whether I mean, I'm, I'm going into uh, YouTube, whether it's on my television at home or my mm -hmm. uh, cell phone. I've played these for my Anchorage uh, Scale Modelers Club. And they're all sitting there with their mouths open going, how do I not know this stuff? Yeah, oh, right. Because exactly. I'm going to just boogie on down to Queen Mary on a whim. But you if you can give them a little taste of, you know, this is why I spent 20 years building this little model. Okay, it's big. It's eight feet long, but still. And I turned around and did Queen Elizabeth because that was a major, for me, uh, a voyage of discovery. Elizabeth was always the forgotten queen, always in yeah. the, the shadow of Mary. And boy, what a lady we have lost. So it was my goal was to you know build those models side by side to compare and contrast. I finally got to do that at a model show here in Anchorage, and it was just fantastic. Of uh, course, I, everybody walks in and goes, oh, is that Titanic? I, uh, right i yeah. know don't we hear it all the, oh my gosh yeah. the, they're so compared all the time i mean it's they're similar but i mean it's always and people are astounded to know that the queen mary's larger than than i mean much larger than the titanic yeah right i mean people think wait wait what no the titanic has to be larger no no, no. queen mary yeah. way 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 much mm -hmm. much bigger are you going to eventually get those model ships on board, do you think, Tom? Because I know that maybe you were talking about that at one well, point. Pre-COVID, uh, we were talking about that. Um, yeah, pre-COVID, right? There were some plans or were some plans to uh, reutilize the space up on the sun deck that housed the Diana exhibit. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I know I was talking with Everett and... Um, He's like, you know, I've got, he, he, he reminds me of it now on Facebook. I've got plans for those. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, I bet he does. Everett is the honorary. That's right. what I'm saving them for. See? So and and there's so many spots, too. Like, when I'm on board, I'm like, oh, I can see them here. I can totally see them there, right? So let's <laughs> hope for that. So Everett, uh, Tom mentioned Everett. Uh, we're all good, obviously good friends with Everett. Honorary Commodore of the Queen Mary. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very... A nice man, all around amazing individual. Uh, you see him on board; he's always greeting guests and and being cordial and and just really is is the perfect ambassador for the Queen Mary. So we're very lucky to have him. Yeah. All right, Danny. Last but not least on this. Okay, um, it's you know, gotta it's it's always got to go back, and I'm trying to like go over the things that I used to talk about on my tours, right? And it's because <laughs> I haven't conducted a tour and three years um i know right almost at least but uh it, it's got to be the things that always got the biggest reactions when i would tell them on the tours and that was one would be the record-setting crossing in world war ii of carrying sixteen thousand six hundred and eighty-three souls on board there you go yeah um, that was something that always got a huge reaction from people because they couldn't fathom that amount of people on one ship um secondly would be just to marvel at her speed uh, mm -hmm. crossing at nearly 32 knots, you know, at her top speed, which was something a lot of people were always so fascinated about. And lastly, just to talk about the number of celebrities that traveled on board. I think people don't realize that Queen Mary, along with her sister ship, uh, Queen Elizabeth, were one of the only ways to get across the North Atlantic quickly. And it was also a stylish way to go. It was the party on the open seas and you know, they treated it as such, you know, some of my favorites to travel on board are like John F. Kennedy and Desi Arnaz and people like that. So yes, Desi Arnaz. I don't know if Lucille Ball sailed on board. She I never Desi, did. 
She never does. Okay, done, so she's. I've done so much research on you that. Have? So okay, know, yes. <laughs> but, right, no, that. Okay, good. All right. I was wondering. No, Desi did. He did, and yeah. I think it was fifty-six. Yeah, I think in the 50s. Yeah. I mean, some, like you said, many celebrities, I mean, business mm -hmm. moguls, members of the aristocracy. And you can, when you yeah. go on board, there are pictures of some yeah. of the celebrities placed throughout the ship, which is amazing. I think for mm -hmm. me, to another, another aspect that I forgot to mention, uh, obviously the Art Deco design employed oh, yeah. some of the most talented Art Deco designers. So a lot of the Art Deco still remains in the ship. Some of some of it has been removed, but there is a book out. I forget. I have it on my shelf behind me. It's all about the art of the RMS. I think that's what it's called, Art of the RMS Queen Mary. So that has photo snapshots of all the different Art Deco pieces. And one aspect that people don't know, too, is that they used 56 different varieties of woods mm -hmm. from all over the world to construct the different parts, you know, of the interior paneling of the liner. So that that's an interesting tidbit too. a nickname of I think it's the ship of beautiful woods, I think it is. Yep. Yep. So um, awesome, awesome stuff. I mean, there's so I mean, there's so much in terms of history that you want people to know. But like you said, there's those certain little bit tidbits that just make people's mouths drop open. Yeah. So I'm sure you get that a lot on your tours for people that are like, Oh, my gosh, wow, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So good stuff. On that note, let's uh, take our second break. Uh, one last break. Got to pay the bills, of course, like I said earlier. <laughs> and when we come back, we might, we might delve into a little bit of paranormal just because why not? Okay. So you're tuning right. into the Afterlife Chronicles right here on WLTKEB.com. Joining me tonight, of course, is James Brammuller, Tom Varney, and Danny Rangel. And we will be right back. Stay tuned, folks. And I need some water. <laughs> Meet Nicole Strickland, one of the leading San Diego paranormal researchers. Nicole offers a gentle and humble approach to working with spirit energies. Being the founder of the San Diego Paranormal Research Society, Nicole is no stranger to the unknown. Due to Nicole's vast knowledge of the paranormal, she is widely sought after for speaking engagements on topics like children of the paranormal, paranormal investigation 101 and 102, history of spiritualism, and more. Not only does Nicole research the afterlife, but also writes about it, and is the author of several books pertaining to the paranormal and its history. She has appeared on television shows like My Ghost Story, Travel Channel's Famously Afraid, Good Morning San Diego, and more. Have a conference or event coming up? Contact Nicole on her website, authornicolestrickland.com. That's authornicolestrickland.com. Okay, 44 minutes past the hour and something water bottle just fell. Sorry if you heard that. So 44 minutes past the hour right here at WLTKDB.com. And this is the Afterlife Chronicles show. Of course, I'm your host, Nicole Strickland, for this very special Queen Mary episode in honor of her 86th maiden voyage anniversary, which is tomorrow, May 27th. And of course, if you're just tuning in and you missed uh, the latter 45 minutes of the show. It will be archived for you. Joining me tonight are dear friends, our fellow Queen Mary enthusiasts, aficionados, if you will, James Bramuller, Tom Varney, and Danny Rangel. And right before the break, we were talking about kind of doing a round table on, okay, what are the top three historical points that you would want people to know? I just totally blanked on during World War II, the whole HMS Curacao disaster. So for those that don't know, uh, during World War II, because obviously to evade German U-boats, you know, Hitler had this bounty out for anyone. They would get a $250,000 reward. So she was obviously a very big target during the war, camouflaged in gray, nicknamed the gay, uh, gay the gay, oh my gosh, the gray, <laughs> the gray ghost, and because she was obviously camouflaged in all gray, the gay. 
Oh my gosh, I'm going to get flack for that, but oh well. So uh, during World War II, it was October 2nd, I believe, of 1942, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, at around 2.10 p.m. during, because she had to sail in a zigzag motion, of course, to evade these U-boats. And I believe she was on a number eight zigzag course. One of her escort ships, the uh, HMS Curacao, was a World War I uh, uh, escort ship. And uh, during... Uh, so, so during that zigzag uh, motion that she was doing, there was a slight miscalculation on the part of the Commodore on the Queen Mary and the captain on the Curacao. So what happened is the Queen Mary hit uh, the Curacao, sliced it in half, and uh, over 300 sailors on the Curacao died either by uh, drowning, being burned, or sadly, tragically being sucked underneath the Queen Mary and dismembered by her propellers. So very, very, very tragic situation there. And uh, I, there is a section on the queer room on the Queen Mary known as the propeller room. And so a mm -hmm. lot of people go in there and they get these feelings of almost anxiety or just feelings of sorrow. Uh, I've been in there where, where people will get tears and they'll start to cry. I've seen men do it. I've seen women do it. So it might be some residual leftover emotion from the disaster just because it was so, so uh, uh, just incredible, incredibly tragic. And so because there were strict orders by the Navy for the ship not to stop, if she would have stopped, she would have been just a, a, a dead duck, if you will, sitting duck, if you will. It had to keep going so all people could do. Uh, was throw out life preservers to some of these sailors who survived that incident. So uh, I wanted to mention that, but Tom, you mentioned to me a while back, there was a woman that was instrumental in, in coding during the war and helped to prevent a lot of near disasters. Do you remember her name? I remember you and I talking about that. I think it was in one of your PowerPoints on one of your presentations. Yeah. I'm forgetting oh, her I name, but she remember. was, yeah, I, I, I'm forgetting her name, but she was instrumental because, I mean, there were so many, I mean, from even the ship's inception, even in ocean liner days and in World War II, there were so many incidents <sighs> that occurred that could have literally sunk the ship. Even during World War II, there was a fire that broke out on, on uh, B-Deck. And so miraculously, they obviously, you know, catered to it and it was fine. So it's it's all and I've always said that it's almost as though there's this like spiritual protection around the Queen Mary. It's like there were so many near death potential near death disasters, but she just kept prevailing through each and every one, which I think is really cool. I forgot to mention that. So let's see. We have about 12 minutes left. And I thought, OK, let's because some listeners might be like, OK, I'm waiting for the ghost stories. <laughs> I'm waiting for the paranormal encounters. The paranormal, like I said earlier, folks, is just one layer of the Queen Mary, right? It's just one layer. You can't have paranormal without history. There are all kinds of different theories about why the ship is so paranormally active. I do share them in my books, of course, if you choose to read. But if for those who wish to share, people know mine. But Danny, if you have a, a, a story you'd like to share paranormal-wise, if you'd like to, Tom, if you'd like to, the mic first. Whoever wants to go first. Because I know Tom and Danny has. Uh, yeah, I have two. I have two that come to mind. The first was um, I was guiding in. This was back when we used to be able to go back into the first class swimming pool. Right, right, right. A, yeah, I was doing a paranormal ship walk, which was our 8 p.m. tour. Mm. That was a two-hour ghost walk of the ship. And the group couldn't have been more than about 10 um, and I know it was all adults. And at one point we were just in front of the main entrance of the pool on the balcony, overlooking the pool area. We're kind of in a semicircle talking and there was a woman to my left and I kept noticing something out of the corner of my eye and it looked like something was peering from behind her. The thing was, whatever it was, was no more than about three feet tall, was wearing what I could describe as a blue sailor suit, looked like a little kid with short blonde hair. Oh my gosh. Every once in a while, it looked like it was peeking around her, peeking around. And every time I would go to look, it would go back behind the woman. Well, at one point, she like adjusted and leaned against the wall. And when she did that, I got a full view out of my peripheral of this kid standing there. And when I went to look, he did, he darted again. And then I looked over and he was gone. Um, I would go on to tell the woman when we were exiting the pool area about what had happened. And she's, 
she got all bright, uh, wide-eyed because she said that uh, while she was standing there, she kept feeling something tug on her purse. And so that's why she adjusted and leaned against the wall because she wanted it to stop. Um, wow. So that was the first wow. one. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That's yeah. amazing. My purse actually was tugged in the uh, starboard uh, shaft alley side of the aft engine room one time. Okay. Which was yeah. cool. So, yeah. The other one real quick uh, was another paranormal ship walk. And we were... I, we were in the pool again and we were doing, I was using dowsing rods on that particular section and we weren't getting much hits. And then I had described or I told the group, you know, we used to carry Italian and German um, POWs. And one of the guys was like, do you think they would be here? I'm like, oh, there's a distinct possibility. Why not? Let's give it a shot. So um, I started asking questions and we weren't getting responses. And then the one guy who asked a question about the German POWs, he's like, Hey, I lived in Germany for like four years do you want me to try asking questions in German? Oh, and wow. Said, sure. yeah. And so we did. And that's when we started getting responses. And in German or in English? Well, he would ask him in German and then German. he would translate. He okay. would translate what he said okay. to us. But when he would ask in German, the, the rods would move. And so that's when we were all kind of like, oh, that's getting a little spooky. That is amazing. Yeah, we've I've yeah. had experiences on board where. We will ask questions, for example, in German, or someone will ask it or use the translator, you know, ask something in German, and then we'll get a response in English or vice versa, mm -hmm. which is, which is, which is super cool. I mean, that, that demonstrates a lot of intelligence there, yeah. you know, for whoever's, whoever's responding. Uh, awesome. Those are awesome stories. The former first and third class pool obviously is still on board. Of course, the second class pool was stripped in the Long Beach conversion. One of what we call the hot spot areas of the Queen Mary, just because a lot of people go there on the tours, they investigate it. I've had numerous, numerous uh, experiences in that in that area. I mean, we'd be here all night for me to share them. So, but Tom, have you had any, have you had any? I think you shared one with me. I don't know if you'd be willing to well, share it now, but I've I've always been the the original doubting Thomas, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I yeah. uh, I think it was in the mid '90s. I was staying on board, and that, in those days, they had still had the tube TVs that were uh, mounted on um, shelves with steel poles bolted to the deck. Anyway, it was a tube TV with the remote, and uh, I remember the evening was particularly windy. So windy, you you didn't even want to be out on the deck. South wind was actually pushing the the ship away from the pier just a little bit. And I didn't notice any rocking until I got into bed that night. And it's like, oh, mm. she's moving a little bit. And and I thought, okay, that's that's the wind. No problem there. At some point during the night, I heard the TV go click, click, as someone was turning the knob on off. Yeah, right. And I just opened my eyes and I was looking right at the TV that's when insane. the screen was gray. And it went down to that tiny little light and then faded to black. And I went, okay, I must have elbowed the remote or something. Right, there, the logical mind kicks in trying to explain that. The rope was off on the uh, uh, nightstand somewhere, and I went, okay. And, uh, and then several years later, um, when I was coming to the ship like three or four times a year from Alaska, I took advantage of a quiet Monday morning and went to the um, the isolation ward. I wanted oh, to yes. read the plaques and figured I'd, there'd be nobody down there to bother me. And, and as I was um, exploring I uh, <laughs> my own reflection in a plexiglass wall that I did not know was there scared the crap out of me. And <laughs> <laughs> so I, I backed up into the uh, this would have been the, the port side. I believe that might have been the women's ward on the port side. I don't remember, but uh, I was standing in the middle of this room and I thought, okay, I got to tell on myself. So I get my cell phone and I'm tapping this thing out on Facebook. But while I'm doing that, I feel a presence and a voice in my ear. And it was a woman's voice, kind of a breathy whisper. I couldn't discern any words, just a whisper. And I stopped. Yeah. And then almost mm -hmm. instant later, on the other side, a different woman's voice was whispering. And it was kind of like they were making fun of me for me scaring myself. The original Dowling Thomas, I'm looking for where is this 
breeze there's a sound coming from. Right, 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 exactly. And then I went, okay, I am out of here. And I You're believe like, I went out, up goodbye. the relative uh, safety of the sunny sun deck. And I um, uh, private messaged you, Nicole, told you that story. And I That's right, I remember was, that. Oh, yeah. You met the two nurses that are down there. There, yep. And I, you know, those one, one day, yeah, those, that's phenomenal. And, and with the Queen Mary, there's a lot of consistency. You hear the same sorts of stories, different people on different days, different months, different years. So I was uh, investigating the, the, the isolation ward one night and we were communicating with the female and we got the name Helen. So I don't know. I tried some research to see if there ever was a nurse. I'm sure there was by the name of. Helen. So interesting encounters. We have a few more minutes. James, do you have any yay or nay? It's okay if you don't. It's all good. Not really. Um, I, I'm of the other school. Of, you are? The, yeah, exactly. I know. I uh, volunteered on a warship that was supposed to be one of the most haunted and had a, had my own quarters very close to where the haunting was supposed to take place and never saw anything. And I of the firm belief, if you want to see it, you got to look for it. And I haven't mm -hmm. looked for it. <laughs> that, I mean, when it, when it'll happen, it'll happen. So, and it's, uh, let's see, Barry just uh, popped in too. And she said here, I had some interesting experiences in the isolation ward, including being shoved directed to a name of an officer on one of the deceased name boards from her wartime service. So pay attention to those name boards and those historical fact plaques that are available in there and throughout the ship. So we're almost out of time. It's very hard to do justice for the Queen Mary in one hour. Uh, we mm. really need, you know, show after show after show to give people a really good idea about, about the Queen Mary. But I think we all did a really good job. It has been amazing having the three of you on. I admire the three of you so much and can't wait to see you all on board. So I thought that I would read real quick. So in, uh, my first book about the Queen Mary, Haunted Queen of the Seas, my mom is a gifted poet. I asked her to write a poem. I was like, mom, can you write a poem that could maybe have describe what the ship means to me, maybe what the ship means to the world and to other people? So this is what she wrote. And so it's called oh, Queen of the Seas. She had born to reign upon the seas, she bridges life from land to land. In breadth and depth, her living breath, O queen of the seas, she graces me. From war to peace, her breeze, ingrained in her inner walls, the sorrows and the childhood lee, bequeath the whispers near and far. In presence of integrity, from bow to stern and funnels tall, she stands within enduring grace and lures through casts of warm embrace. Upon the water's majesty, O queen of the seas, he graces me. So I think that is an amazing, amazing uh, poem. And it's featured in Haunted Queen of the Seas. I think it's featured also, you know, got to plug the books here. RMS Queen Mary, <laughs> Voices from Her Voyages, I wrote, which has all the stories of all the different or some of the different former crew members, passengers, World War II veterans and war brides. And of course, Spirited Queen Mary really delves into a lot of the paranormal aspects of the ship. Uh, another author uh, that is part of the Clan Mary and that we've become friends with, of course, is Patricia V. Davis. I promised her that I would mention her books. I have, she, it's a trilogy, uh, The Secret Spice uh, Cafe. So this was her first one, Cooking for Ghosts. Second one is Spells and Oregano. And the third is Demons Well Seasoned. Those are all sold aboard in the gift stores and of course on, on Amazon and all the uh, retailing outlets. So again, thank you, James. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Dan, for joining me tonight. I can't wait to see you guys aboard the ship. It's going to be soon. I'm hoping really, really, really soon. So we'll just keep our fingers crossed. And I want to end with a quote from British psychic Mabel Fiskew Harrison on the day Queen Mary launched. She said the following, most of this will be gone, including itself, when this event occurs. However, the Queen Mary launched to no greatest fame and popularity when she never sails another mile and never carries another passenger. So Maria Regina in Secula, Seculorium, Queen Mary onto the ages. We will see you next week and have a good night.
Happy Memorial Day weekend. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Thank you.